Welcome. You are about to take a journey to a place of the divine love within with Deborah Buffet on the Love by Intuition show. For the next hour, allow her to prepare you in becoming a magnet for a profound love-infused relationship by identifying and focusing on solutions through love. Awaken the light within and let your essence shine. And now, here's Deborah Buffet on Love by Intuition, all part of the Dream Vision 7 radio network. Welcome, everyone. Bonjour, mes amis. And yes, here I am, Deborah Beauvais, founder and owner of the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. And if you're tuning in for the first time, we are a Boston-based syndicated internet radio station with all the bells and whistles. You can listen to us wherever you are in the world. Uh, you can li- ask Alexa to play Dream Vision 7 Radio. We have the app, so you can listen in the car at home, online, wherever you are. And we are the proud um, sponsor and media media sponsor, should I say, for the Omega Institute, which is actually closed now. They do some things online, but they will be reopening um, come May, May 1st, I believe. So uh, we have a fantastic show for you today. And I love my guest. She is an amazing author. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about her. She, her name is Mary McManus. She's a motivational speaker, critically acclaimed author and poet, a 2009 Boston Marathon finisher, polio and trauma survivor, with a remarkable story of resilience, healing, hope, and possibilities. She is celebrating 15 years of healing after the diagnosis of post-polio syndrome, a progressive neuromuscular disease. And what we're doing tonight is we are launching her latest book, which is Into the Light, emerging from the 2020 pandemic. And so we're going to be talking about her journey, asking her things about the book. And I want to share as well that her book is Dream Vision's Choice of Book of the Month in December. So you could win one. You could buy a few for your your friends during the Christmas holiday here. Um, all good things. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Mary. Oh, thank you so much, Deborah. It is such a blessing to be here. And a blessing to have you. I'm really honored. And and we, you know, for callers out there, this is a live show. You can call in. Bob is in the house. He'll put you through. If you have a landline, um, just you can come right through yourself and say hi, and we'll know that you <laughs> are a caller. And it's 833 833- Two two zero twelve hundred. Again, eight three three two two zero twelve hundred. So now, Mary, first of all, tell us a little bit about your childhood, and at the same time, if you can explain for the listeners what is what is paralytic polio, what's the differences from paralytic polio and post polio syndrome. Yes, Deborah, I'd be happy to. Well, um, when I was a child, when I was five and a half years old, I contracted paralytic polio in one of the last polio epidemics here in the United States. And what happened was I was a kindergartner like any other kindergartner, and I was running around the gym, and all of a sudden I collapsed. I was paralyzed from the neck down. And needless to say, 
it was extremely traumatic. Um, they did a spinal tap at home um, when I got home, and the doctor said that, yes, in fact, I was, we were dealing with paralytic polio. As a result of the initial polio virus, Deborah and listeners, um, 16 years ago now, I was diagnosed with something called post-polio syndrome. Now, unfortunately, that's all too common among paralytic polio survivors as they age. The Western medicine model says that it's a result of the fact that the initial polio virus knocked out so much of the nervous system that as one ages, it's basically an accelerated aging process. And so what happened was 16 years ago, well, more than that, but I was diagnosed 16 years ago, the limb from polio returned. I had difficulty swallowing, breathing. Uh, we live in a cape house, and I had, I had to hug the staircase and go one step at a time. I felt tired all the time, regardless of how much sleep I got. I was in chronic pain. I really didn't know what was happening to me at the time. It was, needless to say, quite frightening and overwhelming, but I had heard about post-polio syndrome, and so I Googled it. And sure enough, there was a post-polio clinic just a, a half hour from my house. And it's oh, a wow. diagnosis of, yeah, isn't that something? What are the chances? Well, we know what the chances are, right, Deborah? Yes, yes. <laughs> and so I had to have a complete medical workup because there's really no way to test for post-polio syndrome. And so I went through a battery of tests. The one test that came back abnormal was a muscle function test, which indicated that, in fact, this was a result of post-polio syndrome. I went through this horrible test called uh, an EMG where they actually test my muscles, and they did it in my upper body, and they found out that there weren't residuals of the polio virus in my upper body, but they wanted to do my legs, and I said, no. I said, I'm not going through that again. Thank you very much. Let's just assume it is, in fact, post-polio syndrome, and let's figure out a plan. Well, their plan mm -hmm. for me, God bless them, was that I should prepare to spend the rest of my life in a wheelchair, that I needed to move out of my cape house or adapt it with a ramp, um, find a ranch somewhere. I needed to quit my career as a VA social worker, which was an award-winning career, Deborah. And uh, they told me that I might need a feeding tube, that I should get something called a sleep apnea machine because they felt mm -hmm. I wasn't getting enough oxygen at night when I slept. And I went into a leg brace. They fitted me for a toe-up leg brace. Uh, they gave me a cane, and they said, when you're, you know, if you have to walk any long distances, you've got to use a wheelchair. Well, needless to say, I was feeling very overwhelmed, and I, I went through occupational therapy, physical therapy, and I thought, well, what am I going to do? They're telling me that I, if I have any hope of stabilizing the symptoms where they are, I had to quit my job. And I thought, oh, my God, like, I've only been a social worker for my whole life, and that's, you know, so vital to my well-being, or so I thought. And, you know, not to mention the financial stress of it all. And mm -hmm. I really didn't know what was going to happen about my future or if I was going to have a future. And so I was so blessed 
to find an earth angel of a physical therapist who did not believe that, as the Western medicine was saying, if you use it, you will lose it. And that seemed terribly counterintuitive to me, but my physical therapist didn't believe that. And so she kind of held the faith for both of us. And um, I had a wonderful cervical spine doctor who actually started uh, giving me trigger injections to alleviate some of the pain. So there was a lot that could be treated. So mm-hmm. in February... And so if, if, if I may interject, so, the, so you were seeing the Western side of medicine for the injections, but this PT person had a more global uh, understanding of mind-body connection and, yes. and then talked with you. So she was an earth angel. Yes, she wow. certainly was. And she said to me right out, you are not destined to spend the rest of your life in a wheelchair. And talking about the mind-body connection, Deborah, because I also experienced severe trauma as a child as well as trying to deal with polio and the residuals of polio growing up, um, I dissociated my mind from my body. So I had completely lost my mind-body connection. Mm-hmm. So what Allison did was, um, at, while I, she was treating my, my neck pain, she also would sit with me and teach me how to do deep breathing, which is something mm-hmm. I'd never done. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she also um, took me into her Pilates class an adaptive Pilates class, so I started connecting to my core. She is amazing. We're still friends to this day, which I think is so wonderful. Um, she's now up in Maine. She has her own physical therapy practice that focuses on women and empowering mm-hmm. women with their own health care. So, wow. Allison, yeah, she's special. No, yeah. so Allison also um, did a biofeedback with me and she simulated what my day was like at work and she said you really do need to leave your job and she said look at all the stress that it's putting on your body never mind the emotional stress of caring for others Mm -hmm. so in February of 2007 Deborah I finally said okay I've got to pray on this and I've got to get still and so I asked for divine guidance and I didn't know you know, what was happening, but all of a sudden, I started writing a poem. (laughs) And the poem was called Running the Race. It's a very long poem where I just poured out all this emotion and um, as well as pouring out the emotion about my past, I also, in my mind's eye, I saw myself winning a 10K race. And when I wrote that line, I thought, You've got to be kidding me. I, I mean, <laughs> my goodness, I'm, I'm here in a light brace. I'm using a wheelchair for, you know, longer distances. How, why am I writing this about in my mind's eye? I'm winning a 10K race. And little did I know at the time that that would be foreshadowing my 2009 Boston Marathon run. And yeah. I think it's Bernie Siegel who says, um, the unconscious mind prepares the way of the future, quoting Carl yes. Young. And so... Yeah, and so I was visualizing a future coming out of my my subconscious. And then so if hold that thought because going back sure. to you know when she first the uh, western medicine told you 
what your future would be like. And Mm -hmm. she mentioned how she could see that you were going to be more functionable than what they said. Were you confused at that time? I mean, were you... What made you open your mind to other modalities, other healing type things, separate from following the usual Western medicine? That's a great question, Deborah. I I believe that it really comes from a touch of grace that I experienced when I had paralytic polio. And um, my mom was addicted to prescription pain medication and so she was unable to care for me. And so as I lay paralyzed on the couch, initially from the neck down, I had an out-of-body experience, and I met my guardian angel. And I knew somewhere deep inside of me that no matter what happened, I was going to be okay. And I mm-hmm. believe that through Allison, I was able to tap into that touch of grace and realize there's got to be something more. Very good. Wow, that, that's quite profound from being a child to, to connecting that through your present time with Allison, that there was more, that there was hope. And that, that's another thing that you talk about in your book, the false hope, that, that some of the doctors in all aspects, whether it would be cancer or other debilitating diseases, they a lot of times, and this is what Bernie talks about all the time, they're not trained to think of you as a person. Um, they're mm-hmm. telling you the facts that they've learned, and yet we know that mind-body connection, that we are souls and we have that light, you know, that, that light within us that we can do all things. But, we, you know, there isn't enough focus on that. It's always, you know, science and what we find out and we should follow that. So it's, you know, it's coming along as we know, but it's so good, I think, to open our minds to possibilities, potentiality, because there are so many people living fully that we're told they weren't going to be able to walk or they weren't even going to be on earth. And here they are Mm -hmm. 20 years later, 30 years later. So, um, yeah, (laughs) Just, just thinking of all that. Um, so going back to when you were a child, and then we'll jump to where you were um, yes. before I interjected, how, how long was it that you were, you were paralyzed? As years went mm-hmm. by, do you start to feel mobility, and is that the norm? Yes, that actually is the norm. Um, okay. So what happened, yeah, um, because after the initial virus, um, you can regain functioning. And I, they say I had a mild case. Um, and in the scope of things, I did because there are some people who were in iron lungs and didn't regain the functioning. But many, many um, polio survivors did regain functioning. So initially, it was probably a couple of months that I was paralyzed from the neck down and regained some use of my right side. And then my left side took a lot longer. And I, I, again, I was blessed with an earth angel of a physical therapist when I was five. Her name, um, she's probably, she must be an angel by now, like a real angel. But um, <laughs> I can still picture her face, Deborah. Her name is Miss Holly. Really? And, yeah. 
she was amazing. And she, when we talk about poetry and where did it come from, she read Dr. Seuss to me before every physical therapy session. She propped me up in the leather chair in the physiatrist's office, Dr. Moskowitz, and she would have me choose a book from the table, a Dr. Seuss book. And he treated a lot of, of children who had polio. And so they had these Dr. Seuss books out, and she would read it to me. And then when she was putting on the hot blankets to try to coax my muscles and nerves back to health, um, she would have me recite back to her in tandem. So she'd say the sun did not shine, and I would say it was too wet to play. And we'd go through the cat in the hat or a horton hears a who. And so that cadence was very healing to me and also distracted me from the pain of the sessions. And I think that's why, I know why, um, I started writing poetry. And initially, my poems were all in the cadence of Dr. Seuss. They were all rhymed. And that's what came back to me. So getting back to your question, Deborah, I did, I was able to regain enough mobility to go into a long leg brace, and I was on crutches. And then little by little, I came out of the leg brace, but I had the limp. Um, the limb stayed. And then when I had post-polio syndrome, the limp got a lot worse, um, along with the muscle fatigue and everything. But, yeah, it's very common to regain functioning. Um, I didn't regain full functioning, ironically enough, um, until I started running. Right, and so now let's talk about that because now we're back to the, you know, 15 years ago, thereabouts, you had the post-polio syndrome. You went to see your earth angel. And um, so how did the running piece come into play? Because I know that in the poem that you, you know, that flowed through you, you actually saw yourself running. So was that mm-hmm. the catalyst to bring you to running, or did something else happen? So I was discharged from Allison's care, uh, and I kept up with the exercises she gave me. And then in September, October of 2007, I met another earth angel, Janine, who was a personal trainer. And we met through a mutual friend, And she was talking to me about, because I had a a New World greeting card, uh, what was it called? New World greeting, original poetry for every occasion. So I had my little business, and my friend said, you really should join Janine's group. It's Business Networking International. So she was telling me about her personal training business. I was not thinking about my business. I was thinking, well, maybe Janine could help me build on what Spalding had done, which is where I went for my treatment. And I was, I was sitting in our living room with my friend and with Janine, and I, it's almost like there were two tracks happening, like she was telling me all about her group, and all I could think about was, gosh, I wonder if I can get stronger, even stronger. And so, because I'd been writing Deborah all these poems about splashing and puddles and coming out of my leg brace and dancing in the rain and running, and so I said to Janine, do you think you can help me get stronger? And she said, she quoted Henry Ford and said, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. So she took me on as a client. And um, so the first assessment that I had to take with her as a personal trainer, I couldn't do anything. 
I couldn't do the cardio. I couldn't do push-ups. I couldn't do basically anything. And she was wonderful. And she said, well, do you want to work with me? And I said, yeah, I really have only everything to gain at this point in my life. So we worked together for six months. And I started building up strength. And I was able to pass the assessment. And my initial goals, Deborah, were to get off of a low toilet seat without assistance and Mm -hmm. to be able to just um, feel a little freer in my body and be able to walk up my stairs. Um, I also wanted to get back to grocery shopping. Um, I wanted to get rid of, I had a tub chair. Uh, This is to let people know how debilitated I was. I couldn't Mm -hmm. take a shower without a tub chair. So I basically wanted to be able to, you know, get rid of all the, the adaptive equipment and just be on my own. And so after six months, I had gained a lot of strength with her help. We worked together, oh gosh, two to three times a week. And we used weights. We used, um, we did cardio in the house. We used like a step stool. And so I started noticing changes. And she said, well, you know, it's your six-month evaluation. What are your new goals? And I said to her, well, I, I want to continue to feel freer in my body. I want to walk outside. I wasn't able to take a walk outside um, for anything, you know, further than down my street. I said, I want to come out of this leg brace. It's a toe-up leg brace. I want to get into other shoes. You know, really simple things. I was a ballerina before mm-hmm. polio struck. And so... so I said, wanted to get back to that. Hold that thought, please, because we need to yes. take our first break, Mary. Um, everyone stay with us. We'll be right back with more with Mary McManus. Experience a different yet profound healing with Reconnective Healing. Includes yet expands beyond any and all known forms of energy healing. The Reconnective Healing Spectrum is comprised of the full healing and evolutionary continuum of energy, light, and information. It allows for healings that are not just physical, not just mental, not just emotional, yet go beyond that to bring healing that includes the evolution of your very being and essence. Deborah Beauvais, trained and certified by world-renowned Dr. Eric Pearl, offers appointment hours at Seacock Family Chiropractic in Seacock, Massachusetts. For questions or to set up both distance or local sessions, call Deborah at 508-431-1959. Again, 508-431-1959. Or go to lovebyintuition.com. That's lovebyintuition.com. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of DreamVision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to DreamVision7Radio.com. After narrowly surviving the attack on Sandy Hook Elementary, first grade teacher Caitlin Royd DeBellis was left searching for answers that would never come. Eventually, she chose to focus on questions that could be answered. How do I make sure this tragedy doesn't define us? How do we get our control back? Those two questions led her to found the 501c3 nonprofit organization, Classes for Classes. When gifts poured into their classroom, she decided they would help someone else by paying it forward and being kind. 
This developed into a social network which allows K-8 classrooms to connect so that every student in the United States can learn these crucial lessons. Classes for Classes mission is to build students' social-emotional intelligence by connecting them to care. All C4C projects are crowdfunded. Any teacher in the U.S. can visit classesforclasses.org. That's classes, the number four, classes.org. Sign up today. Delight your kids with an enchanting journey by reading the Paper Doll Kids Children's Book by Deborah Bove and Janine Sullivan. There's even a catchy tune, Kids for Love Song, produced by Bob Sherwood and sung by kids just like yours. The story weaves around seven paper dolls flying around the world doing good deeds as they bring important attention to our endangered animal friends. There's even a magical ring with a universal message. Kids become interested in service projects, action through compassion, and planting seeds that nurture positive change. The Paper Doll Kids and Kids for Love Song are a production of the Kids for Love Project. Get the book now on Amazon Kindle and the song on CD Baby or iTunes. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. And we are back. And again, if you'd like to call in with a question or a comment, uh, feel free. Bob is in the house and we'll put you through. 833-220-1200. 833-220-1200. And we're visiting with Mary McManus. We are launching, or Mary is launching, should I say, into the light, <laughs> emerging from the 2020 pandemic. And this book is really neat to read. It gives you an inside look into day-to-day of Mary's life with her husband, Tom, and daughter, Ruth Ann, and, and the running that they did, and really touches her fears, everything that um, most people, you know, many people experienced uh, during the pandemic. So get a copy. You can find it on Amazon. You can sign up and see if you um, win a book during Dream Vision 7 Book of the Month. And it's at other area, other places to anywhere you buy books. So again, it's called Launching, I mean, I'm sorry, Into the Light, Emerging from the 2020 Pandemic. So before the break, you were speaking about what your next step would be and mm-hmm. that you wanted to lose that leg brace. <laughs> I did, Deborah. And again, it, it's so fascinating to me, this, this drive within me to regain my freedom, to feel free in my body in a way I actually never had before. And so Janine asked me my next goals. And as she was getting ready to leave, she had all of her things gathered up. Her hand was on the doorknob. And I said, wait, I have one more goal. And she said, oh, okay, what's that? And I said, I want to run the 2009 Boston Marathon next year. And I want to fundraise for Spalding Rehab. I knew they had what's called the Race for Rehab team. Since I knew I wasn't going to qualify for the Boston Marathon uh, (laughs) running that fast, um, I knew I could do it as a charity runner. And... She was amazing, Deborah, because she could have said, uh, excuse me, you've never run a day in your life. I don't even think you could run to first base when you were in gym class. Um, but she didn't say that. She said, you're going to need a pair of running shoes. And she sent me to a running store uh, here in Brookline, and I got fitted for my first pair of running shoes ever. 
And then when my husband and daughter, who you mentioned, Tom and Ruthann, heard that I was going to run the Boston Marathon, they weren't really sure I was going to do it. And they said, oh, well, we'll do it with you. And mm-hmm. sort of a wink and a nod kind of thing. Um, but they ended up doing it with me, all three of us together. We raised over $10,000 for Spalding Rehab. And wow. I got to tell you, Deborah, running has just been the most incredible gift in my life. The people that I met, I keep in mind when I was in gym class, I was easy out alpha. I was the brunt of teasing and taunting and bullying. And here I was um, out on the roads with, well, actually on, on Marathon Monday, we got what's called an early start. So we started before everybody else. And these elite athletes were passing me. And I, I was just in awe of the fact that I was on the same road as these amazing athletes. And it was such an incredible experience. And the people that I've met, I have friends that, you know, they're like family. And we call mm-hmm. it running family. And it was, right. it was such a saving grace through the pandemic, Deborah. I, I don't know how we would have gotten through the pandemic if we did not, um, if we didn't run because gyms yeah. were closed and, you know, we, we had to get out um, and exercise. We couldn't be in an enclosed area. And I think that also probably helped us to stay healthy, the fact that we were outdoors, we were in sunshine, uh, we were in cold air which they say can boost the immune system. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we had to wear masks at times if, there were, if we were going to be in close proximity to other runners. But for the most part, we were able to run in our neighborhood and find routes uh, where we could, you know, we could be fairly isolated. And it's mm-hmm. just been the greatest gift in my life. And um, as I said, through the, the people that I met, through how I transform mind, body, and soul. It's, there's a, a power that just surged through me, and mm-hmm. especially after 26.2 miles. Um, so that's how I came to be a runner and run the Boston Marathon. And, you know, there was something I, I just want to point out, too, is that we're talking about the pandemic, and a lot of people are experiencing long COVID. And the symptoms right. of long COVID are very similar to post-polio syndrome, the brain fog, the weakness, the, um, the chronic pain, um, I'm sure difficulty breathing since, especially with COVID, um, the breathing apparatus was profoundly affected. Mine was somewhat affected. Um, it's called bulbar as well as paralytic polio affecting the breathing mechanism. But I just want to send out a powerful message of hope because I know Western medicine is doing a lot of research. They are trying to figure out, you know, what's the best way to manage long COVID. And I, I'm not a doctor. We don't give medical advice on your show, that's for sure. But one thing that I'm saying is that there are many paths to healing. Um, I was blessed to find meditation. I've been friends with Bernie Siegel for years. And when I was diagnosed with post-polio syndrome, I went back to his forum, I reread his books, um, getting inspired with all the messages of hope that are infused in all of his books. Um, we often joke that I was a slow learner. Um, it took me yeah. too long to really uh, get a handle on the, the messages there, but that's okay. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are so many 
paths to healing and there's, you know, there, there are natural remedies, there are different herbal, um, herbal solutions and whatnot. So I just want to, you know, as someone who went through polio and post-polio syndrome, to really give a message to, to the long COVID, um, people who may be dealing with long COVID as well. Um, right. And go ahead. I was going to say, I wanted to just share, too, the symptoms are very much like chronic Lyme, where you have the co-infections and all the different, um, I mean, it's so bizarre with all the different symptoms that come and go and it lasts forever, but um, when I say forever, but you can incorporate protocols. And so I, I find it interesting that the similarities to everything, but it's it's neurological, it's muscular, it's all of that, and it, yeah. and it causes that that brain fog and the uh, what I describe as um, you know your head's in a vice and this noise and all kinds of things. But jumping to the running back, I just want to say that when I started reading about your the running more so in the in the emerging from the 2020 pandemic, it touched my heart because my late husband was a runner and he ran oh. every day and he he did for the most part 10Ks and then he did um, before his transition to the other side, did do the ocean, back in the day it was called Ocean State Marathon. So I, I want to say that, you know, just the running, we used to, we all, you know, me and the kids would all go and, and see him. My youngest one would start running and all these different things. So my heart is where that running is. So thank oh. you for incorporating and, and co- incorporating that in your healing uh, repertoire because it really makes a difference. And I have to ask this, do, mm-hmm. having the, the polio and because it's neuromuscular, how was your mm-hmm. balance with running? How did you keep your balance? Deborah, that is another great question. Well, one of the things is that um, Janine and I worked on balance. We did balancing exercises and Mm -hmm. where there would be a lot of work, like on one leg, close your eyes. Um, We did it near the banister so that if I lost my balance, you know, I could hold on. But, yes, balance was a really um, big thing to overcome. And so she incorporated uh, balancing. Um, she worked with a lot of Parkinson's patients, and mm-hmm. so she knew a lot about, um, you know, how to, how to help people with, with neurological challenges. And so, yes, um, and even to this day, as part of my strength training routine when I'm not running, I have these TheraBand stabilizers, and so I balance on one leg at a time. Um, and what do they continue. call it's called a Thera band, T-H-E-R-A band, B-A-N-D, stabilizer, and you can get them on Amazon. And they're okay. these oval, um, these oval, they look like a big shoe, <laughs> if you will. Oh. And you can get them in different levels of challenging yourself. So there's like a blue, a green, and something else. Um, and, yeah, and so... Uh, you stand on them one leg at a time, and there's, there are different postures you can take. So one is like lifting one leg up while you're standing just on one leg, and you can increase the difficulty um, either by keeping your hands up or down uh, based mm-hmm. on what you need. You can do it with eyes open or closed, uh, and that's 
so I still to this day work on my balance. Um, and just to let the listeners know, in 12 days on Christmas, um, I'll be turning 69. And so I continue, rather than thinking of, oh, as I get older, this is going to get harder, I just continue um, holding that image of, um, you know, I'm young, I'm vibrant, and I don't have to succumb to the myths about aging. And there's a great book that I just read that was recommended by David Hamilton, who was featured in Heal. Um, he is fabulous. And um, he recommended the book called Counterclockwise. And it's all about the mind-body connection as it relates to aging. And so okay. when you talk about balance, when you talk about, you know, staying active, you know, the, there are a lot of very powerful myths in our society around aging and what happens when you age. And so I don't listen to that. Um, I listen to um, what can I do to feel young and vibrant and, and healthy. And, and so one of the things I do continue to work on um, is balance. Okay. And so are you... Uh, incorporating meditation, I know you are, but for the listeners, on a daily yes. basis, and oh, um, yes. you're doing the balancing um, modality. Are you watching your diet, what you put into your body as mm-hmm. well? Absolutely. So meditation, um, we start the day here with the meditation. Um, it's either a meta-meditation or um, David has a Tibetan bowl meditation, um, between 10 and 20 minutes. That's how we start our day. If mm-hmm. I happen to wake up early in the morning to go to the bathroom, um, when I get back to bed, I'll meditate. Um, we actually put our bed on the opposite wall so that we could see the window and we keep the shade up. So if I wake up in the middle of the night, I can see the stars or the moon. Um, and then we can also see the sunrise if, if oh, um, we're up at that cute. time. Yeah. It is. It's really wonderful, Deborah. <laughs> um, so we, we start the day with meditation. I also, uh, in the afternoon, I take a meditation break. And I usually do a guided meditation uh, at that time, or sometimes I'll just do a silent meditation depending on what I need. And then before bed, um, again, we all do a meditation. And we have Bernie's meditations. We have his affirmations, his healing intervals. Um, we have playlists of meditation. So, yes, meditation is an integral part of my, my ongoing healing. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, nutrition. After I was diagnosed, um, one of the things I used to love, and this may sound silly, but it's got a lot of sugar in it, ginger ale. Um, mm-hmm. I cut out ginger ale. I, I actually, I cut out all sodas except for sparkling water. I cut out caffeine. Um, because I knew that was keeping me in what's called an adrenal overload um, Mm -hmm. because I was racing all the time because I couldn't relax. I couldn't, well, my body was, my neurosystem was just so messed up. So I cut out caffeine. I cut out red meat. Um, We are huge on vegetables, fruit, rice, whole foods, um, very little sugar. We do, um, there's a a product called Flava Naturals, which has your daily, uh, dietary requirement of flavanols, which is actually in chocolate, in cocoa. And mm-hmm. we met, we met um, Alan Frost, who is the, um, the founder of, of Flava Naturals at, a, uh, at an expo. 
in Hyannis, and we tasted his product, and then we started following him, and they've done extensive studies at Harvard on the benefits of, of cocoa flavanol. So um, we have the flavor bars, and instead of using like regular cocoa powder in a smoothie or whatever, um, we use the flavor mix. So yes, nutrition. Wow. Oh my goodness, yes, nutrition. We'll is have absolutely. We'll have critical. to check that out. Um, I I want to check that out. So it's and what's his name? His name is Alan Frost. F R Frost, like O-S-T. Frosty the Snowman. Yes. Okay. And he's on LinkedIn, and his company is Flava, F-L-A-V-A, and then capital N, A-T-U-R-A-L-S, Flava Naturals. Um, okay, thank and, you. Oh, you're welcome. And for yeah, our listeners and we, out there as well. Yes, yes, and now we're on another break. Um, when okay. we come back, everyone, uh, Mary is going to read to us one of her favorite poems, and then we'll get back to more questions for her, too. You know, Mary, we might have to have you back. Um, So, everyone, stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. Take a journey to a place of the divine love within with Deborah Beauvais on the Love by Intuition show, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. Eastern. Our message is love in the purest form. The light within us all is a guide to recall our beginning, to learn to love self and humankind, and to feel the higher power of our own divinity. To attract love, one needs to be love. Come join us and step into this glorious vibration called love. Delight your kids with an enchanting journey by reading the Paper Doll Kids Children's Book by Deborah Beauvais and Janine Sullivan. There's even a catchy tune, Kids for Love Song, produced by Bob Sherwood and sung by kids just like yours. The story weaves around seven paper dolls flying around the world doing good deeds as they bring important attention to our endangered animal friends. There's even a magical ring with a universal message. Kids become interested in service projects, action through compassion, and planting seeds that nurture positive change. The Paper Doll Kids and Kids for Love Song are a production of the Kids for Love Project. Get the book now on Amazon Kindle and the song on CD Baby or iTunes. Are miracles real? Can you move from mayhem to miracles? 30 prominent authors say yes as they share their high fives and down lows of challenges, abuse, addiction, and love. Experience Hope, the magic elixir of miracles through the personal stories of New York Times bestselling authors James Redfield, Dr. Bernie Siegel, Sister Jenna, Reverend Temple Hayes, and many more. If you like bestsellers, chaos to clarity, and crappy to happy, you'll love crying and laughing through Mayhem to Miracles, sacred stories of transformational hope, available now on Amazon and in bookstores worldwide. Looking for a fun and relaxing getaway? Omega Rest and Rejuvenation Retreats are a great way to unwind and renew your spirit. Sit and read in the garden, explore the woodland trails, or try a daily yoga or meditation class. You can stretch your body, quiet your mind, and do as much or as little as you choose. Located in Rhinebeck, New York, just 90 miles north of New York City, Omega's natural environment and quiet pace allow for extraordinary experiences to unfold. Learn more at eomega.org or call 800-944-1001. 
It's a child's job to play, to learn, and to have fun. It's an adult's job to keep them safe. Did you know that one in four girls and one in six boys will be sexually abused before the age of 18? Every day, families enter the Children's Advocacy Center because a child's courage to tell someone what happened to them. Keeping our children safe starts with a conversation. This is Michelle Aranger, Executive Director of the Children's Advocacy Center. Learn more on how to keep your child safe. Visit CACofBC.org. This message made possible by the Fall River Rotary Club. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. And we are back. And as it has been stated, Mary speaks to the power of forgiveness, gratitude, love, hope, and optimism when confronting life's challenges. And she has a number of books. Uh, The one prior to the one we are launching is Hope is a Garden, and that's poems and essays from the 2020 pandemic as well. Uh, So it's very inspiring. So I'm going to give it over to Mary right now to share one of her favorite poems. Oh, thank you, Deborah. And might I say that I, I had actually stopped writing poetry for a while, and then when the pandemic happened, um, that portal opened up again within me and just Beautiful. helped me to to navigate the pandemic in profound ways. So. I was debating which poem to read um, because there are so many beautiful poems that I I just feel so humbled and blessed to have channeled. Um, But this one is really very special because on Facebook, I posted photos of swans um, while we were out on a run. And Bernie, um, Bernie Siegel posted on my post, no competition, unity. And that inspired this poem called Unity. Elegant, epitome of grace, swans serenely swimming, instincts guide, poised and peaceful, a chorus line orchestrated by divine for heart and soul's delight. Powerful moment, movement is one, how we can all be, being in harmony, rhythm of nature flowing, growing, reflecting true essence born from God, breeding a new world order. Beautiful and perfect as well. Mm. Thank you. We all need unity right now. And, um, you know, I, I read your Paper Dolls kids book, and I, I want to plug it because it's really a great <laughs> book for the holidays, year-round. It's, it's for children of all ages. And, and your theme is we're all connected through love. And, you know, Deborah, with the pandemic, I think there was a time when we all felt connected through the pandemic and that we really need to weave the love and the oneness that we all felt when we first started facing the pandemic um, that has unfortunately disintegrated into a lot of divisiveness and whatnot. But I, I just feel that, you know, when we, we come together and, you know, certainly your radio station and, and many of my friends who are like-hearted, when we come together, um, and the running community is all about unity. Um, I know it may sound funny because it's a quote-unquote competitive sport, but there's a sense of unity. There's a sense of um, camaraderie. 
Yes, yes. And the, the last person, I was celebrated so many times as the last person to finish a race. And, um, and the last essay in my book is about when we were able to finally reconnect with um, my running club, L Street Running Club, and they had a brunch, uh, a seaside brunch in South Boston on September 11th. And mm. that's where the arc of the book ends with us finally being able to be together and break, literally break bread together. Um, but that sense of unity of, of coming back together again, um, it's, it's beautiful. And that's, I, I know there's a, I have a meme somewhere that says, what if everybody ran? Um, and, yes. you know, we just, we, we really need to be reminded of that connection through love and through unity and through nature and just really feeling that connection to source. Um, call it God, higher power, whatever. Um, but it's just so needed right now. And we, we need to shine our lights and be in the light and go into the light now more than ever. Right, absolutely. And we are the light. And it's something that we all need to come to believe and live from that place. And then everyone will feel that light and that vibration and want to be part of that versus the heaviness and all the you know, the, the just disruption that goes on. And it's just the human on earth. And we're finding our way um, ever so slowly. One of the things mm-hmm. I wanted to thank you for the plug, by the way, and um, <laughs> because it is an excellent book and, it's, and it has everyone in the family um, is in there in one shape or form. Um, <laughs> but during the time of the pandemic, when you were experiencing the fear of getting the mm. vaccine and all the fears that were you know, pounding out of our TVs, um, everyone, you know, do this, do that and all. How did, it, was it nature, connecting with nature and running that, keep, that kept you centered? Because naturally, as humans, we are going to have our, our down heavy times, but to lift mm-hmm. up and go forward, what actually kept you more on the positive side than living in the fear? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think one of the, the first um, essays and first poems is um, Fear or Fate. And we also, Deborah, we don't have a TV, but we do have computers with social media, but um, we don't watch the news. We, we pick up bits and pieces from the news, and mm-hmm. like, I would get things in my inbox. But the fear at first, especially with the vaccine, I was terrified. Um, I was absolutely terrified. I knew that you could not get COVID-19 from the vaccine. And David Hamilton, um, again, uh, just an amazing soul. I I just feel so blessed that he came into my life. Um, So we had a personal development club. And uh, he meets with us monthly, actually bi-monthly, one is a live Q&A. But he does presentations. And he was addressing the virus. He's... um, He's now a, a mind-body, um, wonderful writer. He speaks on kindness. And so he was a real beacon of light for me and also could address the science behind the vaccine because he was, a, a, um, he was in the pharmaceutical industry. So mm-hmm. I told him about my fears, and um, he made suggestions for um, helping me get through getting the vaccine. Um, I brought crystals. I also ate flavor bars, which are known to reduce inflammation, drank a lot of water. Um, 
But, you know, it's interesting, Deborah. I wasn't afraid of getting sick. Um, it was just fear. It was, it was just a reminder of, you know, when I... The polio. The polio. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's valid. That's a valid fear because of what you experienced as a five-year-old. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's something I just want to mention. And one of my friends is listening over in the UK. She wrote the editorial review for my book. And one of them. And she had, after she read the manuscript, she said, I need to give you feedback about something. And I said, well, that's great. I mean, I really appreciate that. And she said, I believe you don't have a judgmental bone in your body. But she said, you sound really judgmental about the fact that your friend's mother did not get vaccinated. And I, in, in the earlier version, Deborah, I hadn't realized that. And mm-hmm. it was it was subconscious, and I think in a way I was angry because oh, if she would have gotten vaccinated, then I would have been fine because I did have five vaccines. But it was so funny. My friend Michelle um, gave me that feedback, and I was so grateful um, because I hadn't seen it. And so I, I tweaked that part of the book. But it was, I mean, having lived through the polio epidemic um, and having contracted polio. Again, I wasn't afraid of COVID. I knew that I, I do meditations about, you know, uh, the immune system, and, and I, I wasn't afraid of that. And even Bernie was saying that, um, you know, it's just a shot. You know, you're going to be fine. And mm-hmm. he, he was another, um, is another beacon of light in the world, and he was posting, you know, wonderfully grounding things um, throughout the pandemic on Facebook. So I really was drawn to the light. Um, I did have a lot of trauma dreams. Um, I don't call them nightmares. I call them trauma dreams. And mm-hmm. also, too, um, one of the biggest things was in lo- being in lockdown um, because as a trauma survivor, my dad was alcoholic, and we basically, um, due to his alcoholism, um, he would stalk us. It wasn't pretty. So being in the, having to be in the house and not having that freedom brought a lot of that back, but the way that I framed it was um, I thought, okay, this is a blessing. This is an opportunity to heal these wounds on a deeper level. And so I did a lot of journaling, as I said, um, writing the poetry um, really helped to transform things um, into the light. And I could start out writing something, you know, very dark and how I was fearful, and by the end of the poem, those feelings got transformed. Right, right. And that's, I mean, that's really it as we go along. Everyone has their stories and a journey. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and it's going, being open to go into a deeper level of healing when we find that there's still layers that we haven't addressed so that we can feel the light. It's not about going to a destination, but it's so we can be in the light um, at longer lengths and have more joy in our lives, our everyday mm-hmm. lives. So um, I want to thank you for all of that. And we only have a minute. Uh, I'm going to quickly ask you, how do you see the world today, knowing you only have a minute? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist. Um, and so I'm really hoping that things are shifting. Um, the more light workers we have, the more light workers that we band together with, 
Uh, I believe that we can make the shift that is needed in the world. Uh, it's up to each one of us individually. We can't put it on the politicians. We can't put it on policy. Um, we just have to make those ripples. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's still an incredible amount of, you know, divisiveness, darkness, and whatnot. But uh, I do see that there's so much hope and optimism. Yes. And I, there are more and more people who are seeing what needs to be done in the world and are doing the work. And, right. um, yeah, and so I Beautiful. think the more that we get that out there, the, the more hopeful we can be about the future for ourselves and our children and grandchildren. Absolutely. Totally agree. Beautifully said. So I thank you uh, for coming on the show and being a Christmas baby. Happy birthday. And Bob, our producer, <laughs> is a Christmas baby as well. So, oh, happy um, birthday, Bob. Yeah, so in the light of Christmas babies, um, everyone, listen to the show again. Pass it on to your friends. Um, There'll be a video version. It'll be just the audio, but it'll be on YouTube. You can pass that around. Um, So just take the time and be in the energy that Mary has actually shared with us um, today. So with that said, everyone be well, go within to the healing and find all the answers until we come together again. Au revoir. Are you seeking a clearer path to love? Then tune in to the Love by Intuition show next week all designed to your highest good. To contact Deborah Buffet, owner of Empowered Connections, call her at 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or link on to lovebyintuition.com. Remember, we are all one, and we are all part of the miracle of love. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.